Hey there, photographers. Did you know there are four different levels that most photography businesses go through? Well, I want to share those levels with you and give you some tips to help you get to consistent $2,000 sales as quickly as possible. And even if you're just starting out, well, it's probably within reach for you too. So join me for this free live training where we are going to talk about those four different levels and what's required to move from one level to the other to help you making more money in your business right now. I hope you'll join me. Just click the link below to register for free. Welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. I am your host, Nicole Bagley. And today, Heather Lottnan and I are wrapping up our money series. And today we're talking all about the ways that you are currently sabotaging your road to business success and also to increased income. And spoiler alert, we all have some sabotages somewhere. So I know I'm excited for it. I know you guys will be excited for it and love it. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. If you're a pet photographer ready to make more money and start living a life by your design, you've come to the right place. And now, your host, pet photographer, travel addict, chocolate martini connoisseur, Nicole Begley. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Hair of the Dog podcast. I am Nicole Begley. And back again. You guys know her. You guys love her. It's Heather Lautnan. Woo! We're back for another money series. We have so much to talk about when it comes to money, don't we, I Nicole? Know, I know. <laughs> yes. We uh yeah, Heather and I, we you know, we end up boxering each other, I don't know, every weekday, just about. On the days that we don't, it's just a sad day in my world. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, we often like just share with each other like random things or like, oh, I uncovered this thought today. And um I highly encourage you guys, if you've been listening to our money series, which this is, I think, number five, um, if you guys go to hairofthedogacademy.com slash money, we'll create a landing page there and you guys can go through all of the podcast episodes if you want to watch them or listen to them all in order. But um, yeah, it's so interesting to start to dig away these layers and figure out something like you, you just, you peel away one layer and then there's like this little belief there and you're like, Oh, and then you're like, all right, we settled that. And then you're like, Oh, there's this other thing here. So it just keeps on going deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole because we're never really done with this work. Are we Heather? No, this is an adventure. (laughs) It's a journey because like you said, when we talk often, multiple times a week, we'll tell each other, you won't believe what I uncovered. I had no clue I was doing that or that that was an issue for me. And It happens all the time that we're talking about that. And then you reach another level, you know, new level, new devil. We say that all the time. We are continually uncovering these beliefs. And what we're going to talk about today is we are sabotaging, we could be sabotaging ourselves in certain areas in regards to money. Yes? I would go even further and say every single one of us is sabotaging ourselves in some way. Mm. It it might not be on the list. I think the ones that we kind of picked out, we're going to share some real world applications are definitely a bigger sabotage. And by, you know, I want to lay this out too, you guys, when I say bigger sabotage, it doesn't mean like, oh my gosh, you're bad because this is happening or it's right. worse or anything like that. More common. I should say more common ways that people sabotage themselves. But I think literally every single one of us is sabotaging our 
relationship with money, our relationship with others, our health, um, yeah, our health, our business, all of the things in an effort to stay safe mm-hmm. because our ego doesn't want change. Yeah. we. You actually have a really good example of this, sabotaging yourself in regards to your health. What happens to you almost every time before a big Barca retreat, Nicole? Oh, yeah, I get sick. You get sick. You get sick. Almost every time. Every time. Mm -hmm. I had a really big destination wedding in Southern California one year and I got so sick just prior to it. And I knew that that had manifested from a thought that, Mm -hmm. you know, here's the thing. Yeah, you're exposed to germs. I call it opportunistic bacteria just lurking, you know, waiting (laughs) in the wings. And then you let your guard down or you get stressed out. And then that opportunistic bacteria makes you sick. In the case of the wedding, in the case of your barcas, you know, that that stuff is always kind of beneath the surface. And then you start telling yourself stories about, oh my gosh, this is a really big deal. It, am I offering the right value? Am I really worth this? And people are spending a lot of money and all of these things. And so your body is like, oh, well, I can help you. Here, go lay down. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're now right. sick. <laughs> well, and mine 100% comes from the societal mom guilt of, you know... How could you leave your family for two weeks? You better pay. Like it Mm. it can't just be fun and light and easy. So we're going to throw in the sickness so that they can see how stressful it is (laughs) for you to leave. And yeah, I mean, they're all fine. (laughs) no no one's sitting here saying like no 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 like it's all good but um but it's this deep this subconscious belief which quite frankly is i just actually commented on a friend of mine's post this morning she runs a business she has a nine-month-old and her other daughter's like two two and a half so she is in it yeah (laughs) right and um like you know took a weekend to connect with some business people went to the spa She's like, you know, it was hard to take time for yourself before, but then once you have kids, there's a whole new layer of probably like generational guilt from like every mother that's ever lived in the universe from all time. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You should be at home with your kids. You should be tending to your kids. It's just sort of ingrained, innate, inborn. It's just Uh who we are, quote, supposed to be as women, as if we're not supposed to have other sides to ourselves, which we know like logically is crazy, of course, but emotionally or somewhere deep. Yeah. It's funny you say that there's going to be a price to pay. It's Uh like, it's like you can't can't just have your cake. I can't just go. Exactly. I can't just go and do this thing that fulfills my soul and helps other people and, you know, and enjoy, you know, enjoy all the things that I love to do wrapped up in one, help people, teach people, travel and photograph dogs. (laughs) <laughs> right. And have There's got to be a cost. And have a chef. <laughs> yeah. And have a chef. Food. Right. Of course. Yes. Yes. Always food. Everyone. Yeah. I challenge you guys to find an episode where I don't mention food. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. So yeah. So there are definitely ways like that is, again, a very deep subconscious level that is trying to sabotage me teaching these workshops. And it happens almost every time. It has gotten a little bit better. Oh, I know. I had a thought about the mom guilt thing. And I was able to totally reframe that because I think the key, correct me if I'm wrong, Heather, is once we start to uncover these things, like that's the hardest part is uncovering what's happening, uncovering that belief. And then once you can shine some light on it, it's like, oh, okay, 
well, let's look at it another way, another perspective, if you will. And for me, you know, and this is nothing against people that want to stay home and like be super mom. Hardest job on the planet. Go ahead. It's just not, it's not for me. Um, of course, I love my children, guys. Of course. <laughs> Come on I now. always say that. Of course, I love my children. <laughs> of course, I'm thrilled that they are in my life. Yes. But um, I turn it around and look at it. It's like, I want to set the example for my daughter that she can do all the things. Yes. She can have a family. She can follow her passions. She can be self-sufficient. And that's not saying like, oh, no, you can never have like someone, like a great husband to help you in life. Whatever. No, no, no. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying... I never want my daughter in a position where she's in, I don't know, a bad relationship or an unhealthy relationship. And she feels like she can't get out because she doesn't have the power to earn for her own money or have her own business. Or even if she's in the best relationship and something happens and, you know, and her husband is no longer able to, to help support the family, like, hey, you got this. Like, those are the lessons I want to teach. So then that helped, uh, dissuade that mom guilt. It still rears its ugly head every now and again, but that helped significantly. Yeah, you're correct. So what you're suggesting here is the the steps are number one, you need to uncover the belief or the sabotage. So, well, actually uncover the way you are sabotaging yourself. Mm -hmm. Find the belief, like where that's coming from, Mm -hmm. acknowledge it, and then reframe it. And reframing it just means looking at it in a different light, replacing it with a belief or a thought, because it might not be a belief just yet, a Mm -hmm. thought that at least serves you. Right, yes. that at least feels better because the mom guilt does not feel good. But thinking, oh, I'm inspiring my daughter, that feels good. I can get behind that. Well, if that's the case, and I can just start to tell myself a new story around, like I'm doing this to show my kids how to be independent, and it's a good thing. Then over time, I, you know, it's really important to recognize it doesn't happen overnight. Like you said, you still have some of that mom guilt, but over time, you start to recognize or acknowledge this new belief, this one that will truly set you free so that you can pursue whatever it is that you were holding back before because of uh, a limiting belief. It's funny, my daughter who is 19 and in college said to me recently, you know, she's being real nice. Okay, first of all, let's just pause for a second. (laughs) She moved out and she's like, all of a sudden very pleasant to be around, which is fantastic. I remember I I now realize how good I had it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And she said to me the other day, she said, mom, she was complimenting me and saying she was proud and happy at how independent I taught them to be. You know, it's so many things that she complained about as a kid. Like one silly example is from the time my kids were probably around 10 or 11, they had to do their own laundry. You know why? Because I put in my time. Okay. (laughs) I did it for all of those years. They can reach the washer and dryer. They can do it. So they've been doing, and she's perplexed by these kids in college who have to go home so their moms can do their laundry. Like she just doesn't understand that. And it makes her kind of laugh. And she said, of course, she hated that. Of course she did. But now she appreciates it. So that's just one really small example of ways that you can reframe things for the positive that serve you Mm -hmm. to help you to help you cope with what may be holding you back. So okay, what we're going to be talking about today is identifying how you might be sabotaging yourself when it comes to money. Yes. Yep. Do we just want to start diving into some examples? I think, you know what? I think maybe we could tag team. Okay. Yeah, perfect. We'll each introduce and and we can talk them through. So go ahead. What's one you've got? All right. I made a list of some that are ways that you might be sabotaging yourself in your business. And one that I love 
is I feel guilty making money out of things that are easy for me. Oh. Or fun for me. In, like as if if it were easy and fun, you shouldn't be charging? Because work is supposed to be hard. Oh, haha, there's the belief. Uh-huh. There's and, the belief. And how can I possibly ask people to pay so much money when this is fun for me? Like photographing dogs is not, you know, shoveling right. coal. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's funny you say that one because I am recalling a conversation maybe within the last couple of weeks with someone in Elevate who was saying, but this is fun. And I, I shouldn't charge for something that's, I mean, it was, it was slightly mm-hmm. different, but it was very, I think it was a similar vein. That's so interesting. So the belief there is that work should be what torturous. I mean, the belief <laughs> could be many things actually, yeah. you know, like, but the thing to look at is if you're feeling guilty charging for whatever reason, because right. it's Tuesday, like whatever <laughs> the reason is, if you yes. feel guilty charging, why? Why? What does that mean? Like there's there's a belief under there somewhere. Right. It could be many different things. Right. And so then you need to uncover that belief and then reframe it with something more empowering. Like, I'm so excited. I'm so grateful that I get to do something I love and be compensated for. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really great position to be in. And I created that and I'm proud of myself. Like that's so positive. Yeah, one way that I like to encourage people to help get over that, it doesn't always have to be a reframe of a belief, but finding a counterexample. Mm, so for mm-hmm. instance, for something like this, I ask them to remember a time that they were really excited to buy something. For me, it is when I rebranded my photography business back in 2015, 2016. And I like was crossing my fingers and like, oh my gosh, I hope they'll work with me. I hope they'll work with me. I can't wait to give them like many thousands of dollars. I remember that. And they're in a creative field just like us. And they're good at their creative field. And they enjoy their creative field. And I was so excited to pay them. To give them money. Yes. Yes. So that's how our clients often feel too. Yeah. So the problem is if you have this limiting belief, you're projecting it onto others and that's not fair because that might not be at all what they're thinking. Like if you put Nicole in the case of the client, if Nicole was your client, she's excited to give you money. All you have to do is allow it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't have to make a big production about it, about what it means that you're having fun. Yep. You're having okay, fun. Thank somebody you. Wants, I can't yeah, wait to do this. Thank <laughs> you. Take photos, accept payment, repeat. It's that yep. simple. Yep. All right. What do you got over there? All right. So on my list, I have ways you might be sabotaging your income. So you have business and I have income. And the first one I have is I spend all of my money as soon as I get it. So are you the type of person that will make some money and then find a way to let it go? I had that belief. I had that belief. The easy come, easy go. Easy come, easy go. Did it serve you? Yep. No. Um, No. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah, no, I never had, like we've talked about this before in our random talks where you tend to hold on to the money to feel Mm -hmm. like safety is like, not hoarding is a strong word, but basically you're like, no, iron fist, I'm holding on to it. Yes, I do. Where I've always had the, oh, I'll make more. Oh, but it's okay. Or but this thing then comes and like, oh, I had some savings, but it's gone because I manifested my car breaking down or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, so it's always kind of been more of a, a come and go. And I think both of those kind of, you know, they, they go back to life experiences. Isn't that funny how you and I are both sort of on opposite extremes of that? 
mm-hmm. where like I save and hoard, iron fist it, and you let there's got to be a healthy middle. Oh yeah. Right? And I think I have gotten a healthier middle. Like, you know, now it's and it's again reframing about the getting excited to save and mm-hmm. getting excited to purchase other assets. Like we have a rental house we purchased in Alabama a couple years ago. So we're looking at purchasing another rental house. And it's just like, oh, these are the things that can then help us have a cash flow in retirement. Right. <laughs> right. You know, like it's just looking, you know, I'm self-employed. I don't get all these employer benefits. So it's like, I've got a, I've, there's no pension. There's no hair of the dog pension that I'm aware of. <laughs> it's all on you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so uh, yeah. Anyway, that's okay. kind of helped me change that is to get excited about these other pieces. Okay, great. All right. You want to read over just like a couple of yours? Yeah, sure. A couple more I have is, yeah, let me read a few of these and then we can discuss them maybe yeah. in a group. I often manifest unexpected bills. So if you manifest unexpected Mm. bills, you may be sabotaging your income. Do you barter with people instead of being paid? Do you have old clients who are paying your old pricing? Like you won't update your pricing for them and you make some sort of excuse as, well, they've been with me, you know, for 18 years and or... Along the same lines, I'm afraid to increase my prices for fear of losing all of my clients. Actually, people say this to me all the time when we're talking about pricing. They'll say, well, I can't increase my prices. I'm going to lose all my clients, to which I respond, all your clients? Right. You're going to lose 100% of your client base because you raise your prices $50? That is definitely a, you know, you're, you're catastrophizing. You're telling yourself this big story mm-hmm. about what might could happen, but you're saying a hundred percent of mm-hmm. the people, well, you know, and that's not true. I understand raising your prices can be a little unnerving. Sure. I've been in that position and you might have to establish a new client base, but I don't think you're going to lose a hundred percent of them. So you don't raise your prices because of that fear, or you continue to charge your old prices. You have different people paying different prices. And there's just, it's all, all of that really is wrapped up in fear and it is for sure sabotaging your income. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, guys, listen to these. And if you're like, Oh, I connect with that. The way forward is to ask why, what belief mm-hmm. is underneath that? And then let's kind of change that belief. Yeah. All right, I got a couple. Are you ready? Okay, great. I like this one. I make excuses like I'm not ready when an opportunity presents itself. I resent other people's business success. I rarely look at my business statistics, such as average sale, cost of goods sold, like the actual numbers, or open up your business checking account, balancing your business checking account, Mm -hmm. or balancing your books, or keeping books. I avoid posting pictures of myself and my business. Mm. And I'm obsessed with a business nemesis that I quote, hate read all their stuff. That is so funny. I was just talking about an elevator. She follows someone that she hates. And I said, why are you doing that? It's not serving you. And she just went on this rant about this person. And I said, listen, I'm not immune to this. There are certainly people I don't like. And sometimes out of morbid curiosity, I will go check their social media. But when you when you have that kind of resentment or anger or bitterness, uh-huh. even if you think, even if you think it's not that big of a deal, it's just kind of low level, it is sabotaging your business and your income. It, I mean, that is the fastest uh-huh. way to block money is to criticize others that have it or that you think have it. So if you have an issue or a trigger with someone in your industry, or maybe not even in your industry, I'm going to implore you to stop 
following them because Mm -hmm. it is absolutely sabotaging your income and your business. And it's funny, you said, what did you say about avoiding looking at your finances, your business? Oh, yeah. Right. You just avoid your head in the sand for looking at anything financial. I have a couple of those on my list. I have, I avoid looking at my bank account or I feel guilty about my bank account. I have no idea how much debt I'm in. I'm in denial. Those are, you know, these are all the same sort of symptom of I'm putting my head in the sand. Uh-huh. Like, la, 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 I can't hear you. Like if I don't look at it, I don't have it to deal exist. with it. But right. it just I don't gets have to worse. deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> I have for sure, no judgment. I have been in that position many years ago when we were building the homestead and we were hemorrhaging money. I remember thinking, I just can't look. I cannot yeah, right. look at how much money is going out. But you can't fix what you don't acknowledge. Could you today, in one simple step, is to log into your business or your personal bank account and just look at it and acknowledge it for what it is. Don't label it. Mm -hmm, Don't log in and say, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I'm so terrible. I'm a bad person. This is why I don't look at this because I feel like crap. No, 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 no. It's just a number. It didn't do anything to you. It's just a number. Or the opposite of that is you look at it and you're like, oh, I'm killing it. I'm amazing. I'm okay. Neither one can serve you. It's just is. Right. Whatever. It's just a number. It's just a number. Do you want it to go up? Probably. Okay. What's the next step? But the judgment and the labeling and what you tell yourself it means, that's when it becomes destructive. And we want this to be, we want you to have a healthy relationship, obviously, with your Mm -hmm. business, but especially your bank accounts. So you could log in and just acknowledge it and like, okay, that is what it is. Ignoring it does not solve the problem. Logically, this makes sense. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Why are people not doing it? Yeah. Well, and I think that goes back to what procrastination really means, which is often fear or -hmm. not knowing what the next steps are. So I think it can be a combination of both of those things in this case. If you're in debt and you're just like, I just, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to pay for these things or how, or just like, and, or I think it also can tie into, I love the quote and I don't remember where I heard it. It might've been Marie Kondo. I don't know, Mm. but it was clutter is just a decision that needs to be made. Right. So oftentimes ignoring this or like, it's just, it's a decision that needs to be made. Like you need to see where you are. No judgment. Just like, all right, this is the playing field. This is what is. Yes. Is that I love that. This is the situation that I am currently in. Now, what am I going to do about it? And on the flip side, I would also like to say, I think it's okay if you log in and you're happy with what you see, that you don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I'm awesome. Ah." But I think you can celebrate the fact that you have been making good decisions. Yes. Or that you have been taking Mm -hmm. proper actions. Proper is not necessarily the right labeling because that implies some judgment. But um, but you've You've been been taking taking, action. You've been taking action that has been beneficial. You know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, met a friend a few years ago through photography. This is uh, maybe four or five years ago. And she had expressed to me some interest in learning how to get debt free. She was in significant a, a significant amount of debt. And we started talking and you know, I was like asking her what was going on. And she said, you know, school loans and car payments and credit cards maxed out, like, you know, all of the mm-hmm. things. And she was just making minimum payments on everything. So she was getting eaten alive by mm-hmm. interest, obviously. And I said, well, how much debt are you in? And which one are you tackling? first, look up Dave Ramsey, all of those things. And she said, I have no idea. I just can't look at it. And I said, well, 
step one, you've got to know the number mm-hmm. because you have to know what you are going to be dealing with. And so she came back to me, I don't know, a couple of weeks later or so. And she said, Heather, it's $90,000, 90000 in consumer debt. This is not a mortgage, not a mortgage. There was no mortgage in that. Uh, they were renting and uh, meager salaries. So she was like, there's just no way. It will just never happen. I'll just be in debt for the rest of my life. And I encouraged her to reframe that thinking. Yeah, that's a big number. That is, I could see where that uh-huh. would feel overwhelming, but what can you do right now? You know, so she ended up consolidating a few of the credit cards and getting rid of the others. Stop using them. Okay. <laughs> right. Step one. And then start making more than the minimum payment. Okay. I, I want to say it was four. It might've been five years ago. As of today, she is down to less than $15,000 in debt. Wow. She, so she's paid $75,000 in debt. Her student loans are done. And, and, and listen, this is not to be understated. It's a meager salary. Her and her husband don't make a ton of money, but they just they just acknowledged the problem and then they mm-hmm. took action and did. And she has just been a force. She's been so focused and she's free. I saw her the other day and she's like, I can't even tell you what it's like to have those student loans paid off. I just never thought it was going to happen. Right. And it did. And she feels great. But it started with a really difficult decision. And that was to look at the number and acknowledge the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. What else? What else do you have over there? Yeah, I have, uh, you might be sabotaging your income if you, <laughs> like this. Do you re- get regular parking or speeding fines? Isn't That's, that fun? I, I have. Do you have an issue with that? <laughs> I, well, I have a collection of speeding tickets from various countries countries you go to other countries and you get speed that's that's a bold move you well, don't want to end up in a mexican prison videos well and the one i got from france you know here you're safe to go like seven miles per hour over right right no not in france apparently i got was it. going it with the speed limit was 90 kilometers kilometers per hour not miles yes yeah okay whatever so i was going 40 or 90 mi- kilometers per hour i was on the proper thing that's going 97 I got, uh, I, got a, I got a little wiggle room. Right. No, no, they don't give you wiggle room. If they okay. do, it's very small. And then the other one actually got three in Brazil. Because <laughs> again, they're those cameras. And oh, I'm following my stepbrother lived in Brazil for 20 years. So we've been a couple of times and we were driving from Sao Paulo to Parachi, which is this amazing little coastal town. It used to have no roads down to it. Like the 1500s, the Spanish would like ship their gold from there. Mm. Um, it's just the coolest little town. But to drive down to the town, you're driving down these like crazy steep mountainous roads. But that's not where I got the speeding ticket because I was going very slowly. The Where I got the speeding tific- ticket because I didn't really have phone or maps was following my um, stepbrother on it's the highway fault. out of Sao Paulo to try to get to Parachi. So I'm not just like lost on some man on highway yeah. in the middle of Brazil. <laughs> it's so fair. My brother, my brother was in another car. So we were like a little train and somebody's uh, <laughs> like, Hey, did you get a, it was thankfully only $36. Cause it was charged in reals. Uh, is that three? Is it reals in Brazil? Anyway, Oof, um, it was know. charged in their currency, which at the time the dollar was, a bit stronger. So thankfully it was only $36 per ticket. But my brother was like, uh, did you get a random $36 charge from the <laughs> car company? It's like, uh, yeah. And then we kept on getting another one, like dropped every week or two for a couple weeks. I'm like, when are these going to stop? <laughs> wow. 
So we got three. Yeah, I don't know if you, I, you know, I, I don't think I would classify those as sabotaging your income because I think those were outliers. I mean, that doesn't happen to you in the States, does it? Not usually, no. It's been no. a while since I got no. to get Okay, good. Okay. I do have a bit of a lead foot. But anyway, that is, okay. I don't think that's a sabotage for me. That's just a, that it, it might stem from a, I just got to hurry up and get this done so I yeah, can get on to the next yeah. thing. Yes. Yeah. Who has time to drive the speed limit? Not right. me. Sorry. Okay. Another Never way you might be sabotaging your income. Yeah, right. Another way you might be sabotaging your income is if you procrastinate following up when you know you should. Oh, yeah. And I was talking to someone in the accelerator yesterday who said, I have 100 names from a list I got last year and I've never emailed them. Right. Right. And I said, why not? Well, you know, it was COVID last year. And I said, you mean you weren't allowed to email during COVID? <laughs> that was a very special restriction. <laughs> yeah. No email. No, I mean, I got, I understood what she was saying, which yeah. was I wouldn't be able to schedule the sessions, but right. you could have followed up. You could uh-huh. have made contact. So are you procrastinating following up with something that actually might get you business? I procrastinate asking for testimonials. You do? Why? Well, no, no, no. Just uh, people oh. out there. No, this is something. This is something I was that like, they Nicole, might be why doing. would you not ask for testimony? I, I know that many of my students do because people are asking about it all the time of like, I got, I, uh, like they're scared the to, I, I think they're scared that they're going to come back and be like, yeah, no, I spent $2,000 and I hate it. And I think you're a fraud. <sighs> Which is never Which going is to happen. Which is not going to happen. They no. spent a whole bunch of money and they're thrilled. They're and thrilled. they love you now. So I would say um, one yeah. of two things is going to happen when you ask for a testimonial. And I would say 90% of the time, you're going to get a beautiful testimonial. Mm-hmm. And maybe 10% of the time or less, they just won't get back to you. Not because they weren't happy, but maybe because they were busy. I mean, mm-hmm. you just don't know, right? Mm-hmm. But no. chances of somebody saying, you know... I can't believe I spent all this money and it was terrible. It's like not going to happen. So, no, no. Uh, yeah, but I could see where that's sabotaging your business. If uh-huh. you're afraid to ask for people to tell you how awesome you are, <laughs> right, right, then you are you're putting up a block against more business. Yeah, and social proof is so important these days. So I mean, important. who buys anything off of Amazon without checking the reviews? Oh my gosh. No one. It's it is ridiculous how many reviews I read and how <laughs> deep I go on this shacket I'm looking for. Like it is literally a shirt. It's so funny. I love it. Here's another one too, though, about a okay. fear of asking, and that is a fear of asking for feedback, like constructive feedback on your mm. images or your pricing mm. or anything like that. Well, you know, in that case, because I've definitely been in that position, it's the ego. The ego is afraid of what it might hear. So it's protecting you by not even asking because you, you, you want the negative feedback because you want to improve constructive, I should say, but not really. Exactly. (laughs) Not really. Don't tell me. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, I've struggled with that, but you know, I will go to my husband. I've actually come to you a few times and I've said, Hey, tell me what I'm missing. What do, mm-hmm. what do, where am I? And you'll, you'll give me so I think you need to do more of this. I think you're avoiding this or whatever. Launch <laughs> her academy. Yeah. <laughs> and I <Sorry>. say, <laughs> when you tell me, because we have a very good relationship that way, you, I, for some reason, I am able to readily, easily accept and receive that from you because I'll say, Roger that. And then I'll go off and do whatever it is I need to do. So I think maybe it's a matter of, choosing wisely Mm -hmm. who you allow to speak that criticism or constructive feedback into your life. Mm -hmm. Choose wisely. Because if it's someone that you're like, oh, I don't know, 
you're, you're not going to receive it the way it's intended. Uh-huh. So is it someone that you trust? Is it someone that you respect and that you can really handle it from? Like, and if not, yeah. find someone else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you know, there's a very different. It's very different when people give feedback, criticism versus just feedback from a place of wanting them to improve. Right. So you know, if you're receiving feedback from someone that it's coming across as not helpful, okay, maybe try somewhere else. But. If any feedback you receive from anyone ever is feeling not helpful, then it might be the way that you are projecting or receiving that. What's the common denominator? (laughs) If you can't receive it from anyone, it is most likely your ego protecting you. Like you just get really you know, if you find yourself getting defensive or like mm-hmm. trying to explain, you know, when I call people out on some of this crap and elevate, they jump immediately to defensive posture, which I know, I know is putting up a barrier and blocking, you know, mm-hmm. what, what I'm trying to maybe help them with. So I'm aware of that. And then I, I think to myself, well, we're going to have to try a different approach because that didn't work. You know, they're defensive. They want to explain themselves and you, you can't grow from a place of defense. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You have to be open and receptive to it, even when it's like, "Ooh, ouch!" Yeah. Yes. Here, I got one more on this page. I want to do. Um, okay. And that is well, too. I fixate on my mistakes rather than my successes, mm. and goes hand in hand. I avoid celebrating milestones. I just move on to something else. Oh, that. Okay. Wait, uh-huh. we've got to talk about that for a second. Do you know? I was literally talking with my therapist about that yesterday. Yeah. About how I will launch something that goes really, really well. And I will celebrate and I'll be like, this is awesome. I'll celebrate. I'll go to Target. I don't know, whatever it is, you know, but it's super brief. Uh And then I'm like, on to the next. Back on it. I do the same. And actually, I recorded a biz tip. You guys will hear it soon. Um, Friday, because we wrapped up the summit last week. And on Monday, I'm like, I'm going to schedule myself a massage for Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And let me tell you, had it not been pre-scheduled and had it not been past the cancellation point, I would have canceled it or I wouldn't <laughs> really? have gone. Because really? I sat down and I was like catching up with like a couple other emails and this and that in the morning. I'm like, oh God, I got so much other stuff that I want to get done. Ah, I don't need to do that. So I totally would have skipped it if I could have. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. So you, so we both struggle with this and I'm not, you know, because I talked to my therapist about it yesterday, I don't have this all figured out yet for myself, except that I just don't allow the space to celebrate and breathe because I have this need to be productive and being productive and making things happen means you need what to go to the, the next yeah, thing. What does the being productive mean? Is that an identity thing yep. or is that yep. a, I need, Okay. 100% yep. identity that if I am not productive, I'm not worthwhile, mm. right? My worth <laughs> is tied, my identity and my worth is tied to my productivity. And my productivity is a matter of like accomplishment and success. So I, I have one, but it, because it's uh, on some levels not healthy <laughs> on a lot of levels, <laughs> I'll have a success, but see, it's never enough. Right. Because that's not the real issue. Mm-hmm. I haven't uncovered what the real issue is because then I immediately jumped to now I did have something go really well recently. I did take one day off last week and just 
did other things, you know, personal things. And I felt great about it. It was good. But I said to my therapist, I I can't see taking more than a day off. Like, well, well, do you do this too? Because this is feeling very familiar to my own life. When I take a day off from work, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to get a whole bunch of personal stuff done. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So then I do a whole exactly bunch of like, stuff was. around the house I've been procrastinating on. Yep. Um, which I think is one reason I love to travel so much because it forces me mm. to just chill the f out. Yeah. Yeah. And because like, otherwise truly you relax. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Like in my house, like my office is right here. All the other things I need to do is right here. Yes. It's it's really, really hard. And I can like relax like, oh, okay, going to meet a friend for dinner. Yeah. All right. Done. Um, Even though truly almost every time I'm like, man, God, I really don't have time for this. But, <laughs> but then I do and I love it. So friends, yeah, I still want to go out with you. Of course. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's. It's so hard to slow down. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I haven't totally uncovered where that comes from, too. I don't think it's an identity thing. I think it is uh, It is a belief of if, like, if I get more done now, then that's going to be more room to get even further along sooner. Yeah, right. Like it's, it's a rush to get where I want to go. But you'll never get there. Right, exactly. Like there's, there's no, no end. destination. Yeah, yeah, because the goals keep like just changing and piling on. But I think there's also part of that which we uncovered this one too, because um, I would like hold off on making offers in my business or hold off on bringing income in for certain things, and it was because I was mentally saving that opportunity yes. for yes. later. Because, you know, my, my dad worked in the mortgage industry, still does. And uh, 2008 was a challenging year. So mm-hmm. there were a lot of beliefs that, um, yeah, were formed deep into my subconscious watching all that happen. Um, which, yeah, causes me to like, well, keep going, keep going. But like save that for later because, you know, you never know when the world's going to fall right. apart and you're right. going to need to make some money. <laughs> You know what else I'm wondering? I don't know if this is true for you, so tell me, but this is definitely true for me. There's a trust issue here, a trust issue with myself, meaning I had this success or you have this idea and you don't trust yourself to ever like replicate it or duplicate it again. So you're striving to make something happen because even though you have proof mm-hmm. that you are able to accomplish these things, it's still there's still this lack of like, well, what if I can't do it again? Well, or, or though, yeah, what if it all goes away? Uh, what if it all goes I, you away? Because yeah. you start off, I think all of us in business start off, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. Am I going to be able to do this? Oh, I don't know. I hope I can do this. And then you do it and you're like, oh my God, that's awesome. Oh my God, what if I can't make it last? What if this was just a fluke? And then like you get to yes. another level and you're like, oh my God, I've gotten here now. Oh my God. But now I have employees. Now I have these people like depending on me. What if Mm -hmm. this goes down and now, you know, my mortgage is bigger or this and that, and I've got to pay for the kids college and you know what, like it just keeps changing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And this idea of saving something is because you don't trust yourself to have another idea. Yeah. It's well, it's not necessarily, I did kind of start to flip it around. I've gotten much better about it because I flipped it around like the, it's all going to come crashing down and this is a fluke. Um, business success is that if I created this once, I can create this again. Yes. You know, 
you know, even if it was something totally unrelated to photography, like I still, you're never starting again because you're starting with the skills that you have. That's you know? so important to remember, mm-hmm. man. Say that again. That's a key phrase. You guys are never ever starting again because you're starting with the skills that you've already gained. No one's oh taking those gosh. skills and experiences away from you. That is so good because you you were able to do it before you have that skill set which means I'm actually going to work on this I'm going to start reframing and using that like well wait a minute I did that launch it went really well that means I can do it again mm-hmm. but my yeah. mind automatically goes to okay because I'm human all right everybody yeah. relax my mind automatically went to I won't be able to do that again it was maybe it was a fluke right. or I won't be able to replicate it and I, there's this like slight lack of trust for myself, which is weird. I have no reason to not trust myself. But uh, again, it's something I'm working on as well. So I think just telling myself, well, I've done it once. I created this. Uh So if it did go away, if something really catastrophic happened, the truth is we built businesses. We build businesses. We've done it. We've proven it, which means we could do it again. So it wouldn't, it actually would be easier the next time. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So interesting. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I have a few over here. Okay. You could be sabotaging your income if you feel guilty about spending money when there are people struggling in the world. Oh, that's a big one. Like, I have so much and they have so little. And like, how, why do I deserve to have right, this right. nice it's vacation, purse, shoes, whatever you're buying? Yes, that is really critical, you know, because Mm -hmm. some people will look at others' success. They'll see how they spend money. We've talked about this and they'll, I've done it. They'll label it as excessive. Like that's excessive Mm -hmm. when there are people starving in the world and struggling. It's total judgment. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is you don't want people judging you, but we judge others, but we're all judgy. Yeah. Human nature (laughs) is judgment. It's because People are human. We're we're meaning making machines. That's uh-huh. what we are. Meaning making machines, and so we have to judge in order to make sense of things. And we're like, oh, they spent that money on that. Like I talked about in the previous episode, the show I was watching where they spent all the money on the beach house and the rock that right, was one hundred seventy right, thousand. Right. Yeah, and it was like that's so excessive. People are struggling in the world. Why is that guy buying a rock for that amount of money? But it's just. How do I know that he's not also donating money to really amazing right. causes? And and it's none of my business anyway. Yeah. Because I and, wouldn't want him judging me. Well, and I think you can start to rephrase that if you're feeling guilty is you can follow kind of where the money you're spending is going. Like it's still helping someone or, you know, find businesses that have a social cause attached to it. Like there's there's definitely ways that you can start to look into that uh, for sure. But that is... That is a big one. And um, yeah, and I think a lot of it stems from judgment because, yeah, it's what you're worried that someone is going to think, which we talked about in the last money one, about I was worried, but people would think if I ever paid for a business class seat. Right. Or being on a boat. What if they think it's my boat and they think I spent all this money on this boat? What will they think about me? And there are 
children starving and mm-hmm. you just all of these stories wrapped up into probably came from childhood you know if you left something on your plate your parents would yell at you about the kids starving and <laughs> in africa in africa yes. like, their kids starving yeah. in africa you better eat your green beans like it's not yeah. fair you know that uh-huh. there's this some like that we are in charge of some sense of fairness and equality in the world that is out of our control really right. not within our sphere of influence obviously you need to be discerning in how you spend your money that me- that it fits with your values, right? What's yeah. important to and you. And if you have a, a something that you love or feel called to support, then 100% support it. Support it. Support yeah. it. But that and, doesn't mean you have to suffer. Right. Just because other people are struggling does not necessarily mean that you have to struggle. I actually heard, and I can't remember where I heard it, and I'm probably going to mess it up. But it was something about like, we have this picture of like Mother Teresa was like the most philanthropic, mm-hmm. amazing person. And I'm not discounting that. I'm not right. saying like any, yeah, of course she was. But she couldn't have done what she did without the giant financing of the Catholic Church behind her. Yep. So it wasn't just her going out there. So the more money you make, the more impact you can actually have for the causes that you want to support because um, you can't really help people if you can't take care of yourself. So I, yes, I have a yeah. quote. I, I used this last week in a money training. I said, even Mother Teresa said, it takes a checkbook to change the world. She is quoted as saying that. <laughs> it <really>? takes a <laughs> checkbook to change the world. So you uh-huh. are spot on. She had the backing of the Catholic Church, and that was a lot of money. So she it wasn't that she was like this poor destitute. I mean, she gave up her life to serve. That's what she did. Yeah. But she had the backing. So more money equals more impact. So just because somebody else is struggling, instead of saying somebody else is struggling, so I should struggle too, couldn't you say someone else is struggling, so I need to make more money so that I can help the person who's struggling? Right, right. I mean, it's just, it's the same coin. We've just flipped it. Mm-hmm. That's classic reframe. I yeah. love it. And and you are still allowed to buy the purse or the vacation if you want. Right. Yourself. Right. Because the healthier, happier you are, Mm -hmm. the more impact you can have. Okay. The last one I have, oh, this goes, well, wait too. Actually, I had one I wrote, I feel guilty that I have so much and others don't. That's the same thing. But this one, I struggle to stay positive about money. If you Mm. are really in a negative place about money, you are sabotaging your income. Hands down, no question, as straightforward as it comes. Yep. I know that's you know, easier said than done to flip that script to say, well, let's have a positive outlook on money. But when you can't pay your bills or things are really, really difficult, I I understand that that can be very, very hard. So this just takes rewriting the script and then working to have a more positive outlook on money, like more money, more impact and money is good. And what limiting beliefs do I need to look at in childhood that were ingrained for Mm -hmm. my parents about money being bad or a struggle or hard to come by? This is like, I think the culmination, this statement is the culmination of all of these beliefs, all Mm -hmm. of these ways that we sabotage ourselves is that because of these things, we have a negative mindset about money. So I don't think it's a simple saying, oh, have a positive mindset about money. I think it's you tackle all of these other things that then compound into I have a a better, a more healthy belief system around money. Yeah. Done. Done, right? Wrap it up. (laughs) 100%. You have to work. Yeah. You have to do the work. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you guys start to just kind of look at these different things. I hope you were kind of like listening. And if there were any of these that struck a chord to you while we were going through, I have a couple more. I just want to read off real fast. Yes. Um, that I think are really common that you might identify with some of them. I think my emails bother people. I hide mm-hmm. away and not be visible in my community. I get annoyed when someone takes action on something I've wanted to do for a long time. I charge low rates for my industry. I complain about my competitor's pricing. I give away a lot of time for free. Here's a big one. I let other people's opinions sway my business decisions, whether they're qualified or not. Oh, hello, family saying no one's going to charge or pay that ever. (laughs) How often do we hear that from people? Oh, my gosh. And it's always coming. An easy way to reframe that, I think, is, again, that's just the conscious brain, the ego of your family trying to protect you because they don't want you to get all your hopes up, put all this time and effort into something that they don't think is going to work. So they're trying to keep you safe Yep, because they just don't know. I mean, they, unless they've run a photography business, they, they don't know what's involved. Heck, when I started running my photography business, I didn't know what was involved. It's like, "Ah, charge $175 for a session with all the images on a disc. Man, make wow. a bank. Yeah, I'm a big rich. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, but you no. know what I would say Doesn't to those family members? I would say, uh, thank you. Thank you for your input. I know that you love me and you're trying to protect me. Um, when is the last time you started a pet photography business? <laughs> right, right. Like they have no clue. Yeah. So why are you letting them speak into your life? They have no clue. They have not done it. They don't know. How do you know that? Oh, I fight back. That's like put me in the ring because if somebody said, yeah, totally. (laughs) Because you have, but the thing is, people who are not as secure or confident in what they're doing just get pulled over by those people, Uh and it's it's maddening to me. I I always say like, let me talk. Let me talk to your parents. (laughs) Let me let me talk to your husband or your partner. Let me let me at them. Because I would love to know what qualifies them to say, oh my gosh, the amount of women who have told me, oh, my husband just doesn't think anybody's going to pay for that. What? What does he know about photography and the target market and the business? Uh, Certainly. Okay, fine. You're entitled to your opinion, but you're making that crap up and you're harming someone in the process. And I just do not have space for that in my life. You're going to need to add on a service. It's going to be send your spouse to Heather service. Oh my gosh. I, I have, you know, we laugh, but I have had a couple of people ask me if I would speak to their husbands. Like, would you do a coaching session with my husband? Uh, the answer is usually no, because I think that crosses a line. But yeah, right, right, <laughs> but, right. you know, certainly we can talk about something and let's record it and you can play it back for him. You know, yeah. let's have a conversation. Uh, I'm happy to do that. But I want to <laughs> arm them with confidence. Mm-hmm. I want to arm them with information and data and comebacks and replies and how to manage someone who is trying to stomp on your dream. Like, okay, first of all, you know nothing about photography or the market and you're trying to stomp on my dream. Like, and you love me? Like, okay, you might not understand my dream and that's fair. But could, where's, what about, how about some encouragement here? How about I, you know, I actually, if I need encouragement from my husband, I will start the conversation with, I'm about to share something with you that might be challenging. And what I'm looking for is encouragement. Mm -hmm, I'm not mm -hmm. looking for you to beat it down or tear holes in it. Mm -hmm. 
I'm looking for encouragement and I need to talk to you about this. So maybe you, you know, just, I don't know, boundaries. I wouldn't let my family speak that into my life because of their limiting beliefs mm-hmm. or their views on what's possible. Or they possible. just honestly don't know. I mean, how many clients know. contact us and have no idea what photography costs because you do see all these, you know, pricing all over the board. Yep. So people just don't understand. Or maybe they grew up going to like Sears and getting a photo sheet. (laughs) So that's what they expect photography is. Yeah, they just have very limited experience. So I I like to ask people to tell me about the businesses they've started. The photography businesses specifically. (laughs) Right, specifically because you have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that gets me fired up. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. This has been... Fantastic. Again, you guys, if you want to hear more of our money conversations, go to hairofthedogacademy.com slash money. Heather, they can find you around the Hair of the Dog HQ and Elevate here on the podcast. But where else everywhere. can people find you? You're at everywhere. You everywhere. Yeah, everywhere with Hair of the Dog, of course. But also at the Flourish Academy, you can just search online. I would love if you listen to the Flourish Academy podcast and share it with your friends. That would be amazing. I also have a YouTube channel where I do a variety of different types of videos. I do live videos. I do screencasts. So just look for Flourish Academy and you'll find me. She's around. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us again. And we will be back another week. Spoiler alert, by the way, prepare yourself for some major new year planning coming up with me and Heather, because I mean, new year's might be my most favorite time of year. Same. Brace yourself. I mean, I guess Christmas, new year's all goes into one. Yeah. And it's going to be great by far the best. Although I do love summer. If you can move new year's into summer, although no, 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 actually (laughs) let's not do that because then I would feel guilty about enjoying that boat. (gasps) See, wow. Like January when the weather is like, meh. I mean, it's much better now that I move south. (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. But then you can like just buckle down and get stuff done. And like January is my most favorite month. As is Monday is my favorite day of the week. Isn't that interesting? I'm the same. And I think maybe it's about new beginnings or starting something. It's just very exciting to get back into the swing of things, to take a look at your previous year, what's upcoming. It's exciting to me because, well, listen, core belief for me Uh is that the best is in front of me. Uh The best is yet to, to come. So that's very exciting when you think things are only going to get better and more amazing. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be struggles, but... There's so much excitement for me to think about like, oh, what's next? You know, because it's always getting better. It's like the stock market goes up and down, Uh, up uh, and down. There's always a little correction here and there, but you end up, you end up up. Yep. (laughs) All right. All right, everybody. So yeah, we'll be back with that and um, have a great holiday season, everybody. We will talk to you soon. Bye. If you enjoy this podcast episode, go ahead and take a screenshot of this episode on your phone and post it up there on your Instagram stories and be sure to tag us at Hair of the Dog Academy. And we would just love to see how you're listening. And uh, full disclosure, sometimes we just like to give away a little pet photographer swag in the form of Hair of the Dog t-shirts and sweatshirts. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and share that screenshot of this episode. And don't forget to tag us at Hair of the Dog Academy. And while you're there, maybe you want to jump on over to our account and see what we're up to on the gram. Would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening to the Hair of the Dog podcast. This was episode number 117. 
If you want to check out the show notes for access to any of the resources that we mentioned, simply go to www.hairofthedogacademy.com slash 117. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hair of the Dog podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please take a minute to leave a review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming episodes. One last thing. If you are ready to dive into more resources, head over to our website at www.hairofthedogacademy.com. Thanks for being a part of this pet photography community.